Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is episode 131. How did we get here? How did we get here? Seriously, it happened so... It feels like it happened so quickly. I know it hasn't, but time has been flying and I am so excited that it is December. We're getting close to Christmas and... Today we have a great guest on the podcast. Her name's Caroline Green. Caroline Green is a recovering lawyer, chronic overachiever, and passionate truth teller. She's also a two-time Amazon best-selling author and coach who helps women redefine success on their own terms so that they can build lives that truly matter to them. Isn't that the dream for anyone and everyone? Caroline has the spirit, has energy, and has this personality that I really couldn't get enough of. She's so cute, she's so bubbly, but she's so insightful. And whether you are someone that wants to create your own business or not, if you're a mom, if you are a friend, a daughter, anything like that, um, a husband, anyone, okay, if you're if you're a person with a with a heartbeat, you are going to benefit from this podcast and the beautiful insight that Carolyn has to share with us today. And she's so eloquent at describing everything in her life and being vulnerable and opening up her heart to her story and her insight. So get ready for another really awesome interview. Before we head on over, here is the review of the week. And this comes from Summer Mackey, I think. Uh, Maddie Moon, I adore you with five stars. I have literally told my mom that I wish we were best friends. I remember thinking when I first found your podcast that we were the same person, which I imagine is what intrigued me. Now I realize the neat thing is that our differences is what keeps me. I learned from you through recently following and listening to you. I can tell you're intentional in the work you do and you work hard for what you have. This is inspiring to me and specific because I too aspire to be a life coach and build my own business. I view you as an empowering woman that I can look up to. I'm grateful for your work and I hope you know God has blessed you so big through the way you speak about your passions. The passion shines through. Keep it up. You're changing lives. P.S. I'm enjoying binge listening to your podcast. Hee hee. Thank you, Summer. That means the world to me. I so appreciate that. And knowing that you too want to aspire to be a life coach I think you're especially going to love this episode and a lot of the episodes that I have on uh, recently and, and coming up because a lot of incredible women who are doing wonderful things in the world are coming up on the show and next week we have an, another incredible guest Gretchen Rubin of the Happiness Project who I am beyond excited to share with everyone but for now we have a spectacular interview today before we head on over to listen to the beautiful Caroline Green I want everyone to know that tomorrow is the last day to get the early bird price tickets for my event in Boulder Colorado called more than this I'm co-hosting with Amanda Duran who I've recently had on the show as well and we are going to be leading a two-day retreat on self-love worthiness chakras um uncovering hidden limiting beliefs that you've been holding on to in your life, how to be really true to yourself. It's going to be a wonderful weekend of bonding and vulnerability and sharing shame, all those beautiful things we love to do that make us more heart-opened human beings. So I'm ridiculously excited for this. If you want to get your ticket and book your plane ride over here, please do before tomorrow. The early bird price is $3.97 and that includes... 
two full days with me and Amanda and we intend for it to be action-packed and well worth the time that you spend to come out here and the money that you spend to come out here. So sign up for that at morethanthisevent.com and there are other options available there for a dinner with me and Amanda or uh, one-on-one coaching sessions with uh, Amanda and I separately if you are wanting to take your journey to the next step. But you can continue to sign up for more than this well beyond tomorrow. I just wanted to make sure you knew that the early bird price ends tomorrow. You can get great flight tickets using Frontier and Southwest depending on where you live. So check that out. If you want to come, I know you can make it happen. You just have to really make it happen. Don't be at the mercy of circumstances or other people. If this is something that you believe you're meant to come to, come to it because we will be welcoming you with open arms and we're so excited to meet you. Okay, time for episode 131 of the Mind Body Musings podcast with Caroline Green. Let's go. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. The show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm here with Caroline Green. I am so excited to talk with her about becoming very passionate about your life and doing what it is that you felt you were meant to do, even if you're meant to do it just for right now. So thank you so much, Caroline, for joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is going to be great because I, well, first of all, I I resonate a lot with your message of doing something and your in, in the beginning stages of your career, I don't know, I'm excited to hear about yours, how long this went on as being a lawyer, but doing something that you're not really passionate about, for me it was very short-lived, but really taking that leap of faith and to dive into something that you love and you can't stop thinking about and your soul just feels like it's on fire every single time you just like dream about new ideas about it. So I'm super excited to hear your insight to it. I know you've written a couple books about it, so obviously you have a lot of experience coaching other people and uh, specifically moms and women through this journey. But first things first, can you go ahead and give us a little bit of insight into your background and your story and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I'd love to. So I um, came from a family that really defined success in very traditional ways. Um, And I should say traditional American ways. So, you know, get get the best education you can, go to the best schools you can, get the best job that you can, and really focus on what I sort of call success in all caps, right? And, um, and a very, I mean, again, it was, it was a great message and it served me very well. And I really like hook, line and sinker just held on to that success thread. And, um, from a very young age sort of calculated in, um, I laugh at myself with compassion, sort of like, what's the best right thing to do next, Mm -hmm. you know? And I followed that thread so that I ended up going to boarding school because I wanted to, I, I went off to, um, Yale college to, 
um, to study and play lacrosse. And then from there went straight to the best um, law school that I could go to from law school. I got the best job at the best firm that I could get, you know, really just driven by this um, achievement engine. And, um, and I should say I'm very grateful for it. And I, and I learned a lot in that journey, but um, somewhere along the line, I started really getting this inkling, this feeling like, I don't know that this is actually what I want to be doing. Like, I don't know that this is how I want to be using my gifts and my talents. And I don't even really know that I know what my gifts and talents are, you know? And, um, and I was really good at suppressing those questions. I was really good at just being like, nah, never mind, <laughs> you know, get up and go to work. Um, and then I had, uh, two children within a very short period of time. And, and, um, and I ended up with, with postpartum depression with my second child, but it actually onset, um, during my pregnancy. So I had this very extended stretch, both while I was pregnant with my um, daughter and also in the sort of year after she was born, my second child, where I was really just, um, faced a lot of darkness and a lot of these questions that had been suppressed, like came back on steroids, you know, like they were like, we will be heard, you know? Um, and so, um, also, and so I, I had this moment around, around nine months when my, when my daughter started sleeping through the night, which was very important. Sleep is very important to clarity. I find, um, when I really had this resonant moment where I, I looked to myself in the mirror and I, I sort of saw the person that I was showing up in the world as for the first time and and this gap, this space between who I knew myself to be and how I was showing up in the world was like literally apparent in the mirror. You know, my eyes were gray and listless. Like my I was exhausted, disconnected looking. Like I just, you know, to be compassionate to myself, of course, like I just had two kids in two years, but like also this deeper knowing mm, something's, something's not right. Something's out of alignment here. Mm, that's fascinating. And I can resonate with that so much. And I bet a lot of people are like, definitely in that stage where you said earlier, where it's like, I know that this is, might not be right, but what else is there to me? That's mm -hmm. a kind of scary place to be because you can get so intertwined with the work you do in this world that you forget that your identity is not necessarily the work you do and you stop doing things for yourself. And I have several clients that have kids and they put all of their stuff, even just an hour to themselves on the back burner. They stop taking any time to really appreciate their worth and give themselves some love and ask themselves what they want to be doing because it's so it's so selfless to be a mother. It's, it's just all selflessness. Yeah. Well, you know, I have this big, it, 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 we're taught that it should be selflessness, you know, and we right. taught that, um, that selflessness is the epitome of love. And, and I actually want to call BS on that because right. I think yeah. that, you know, when we really, when we start really listening and we start asking ourselves, and this is the most powerful question that I ask to, to women, especially who have daughters, I say, do you, how would you feel if, 30 years from now, your children are showing up in the world the way you are, you know, and, and you have to ask mm -hmm. that question at the right time with a huge dose of compassion. But 
you know, generally speaking, well, and I, I asked myself this question, and I started crying, you know, because it's like, of course, we don't, we don't want for others, this selfless life that the, that the world has told us is what makes a good mother, you know, um, because it's not we know somewhere down deep, our inner knowing tells us that we don't show up in the world as whole people, we don't show up in the world as the compassionate, loving, you know, tapped in person that we want to be when we put ourselves last all the time. Um, and in fact, that, that it's a, it's not, it's actually, this is really, really pushes a lot of people that what we define as selflessness and mothering is actually a level of selfishness. Because what we're really saying is, I'm going to put this idea of my showing up in the world as a quote unquote good mother ahead of all else. And when we do that, we actually stop showing up in this, in the way that we would if we just started learning to surrender some mm-hmm. of these ideals and rolling with it and laughing more and holding that space to say like, you know what? It's okay if I don't have it all together. It's okay if people look at me and are like, huh, she, she really needs a shower. You know, like <laughs> it's okay if we let some of these things go and start really saying like, what does my child need? Does my child need me to look like I have every, you know, I have a Pinterest life or does my child need me to just like hang out with them and, you know, roll around in the dirt a little bit or get on the floor and play Legos or, you know, just some of the stuff that like, let the kitchen go, let the laundry go, like let, you know, learn totally. to surrender. Yeah. I use this example a lot with my uh, clients and followers. It's like when you're in an airplane and like the masks come down, you put the mask on yourself first, right? So that you can help others so that you can put the mask on other people, but you have to take care of yourself first because you have all this tremendous, beautiful, sparkly value to put out into the world. And every time you ignore refueling that value tank, filling it back up with love, rest, um, self-care, like whatever it is that you need, time alone, whatever it is you need, when you're not filling up that tank with those things, those ingredients that you need in order for it to be a fully functioning value tank, then it's going to get lower and lower and lower and you're going to show up to the people you care about the most with half that value or half that energy or whatever it may be. But when you're constantly fueling your mind and fueling your body and fueling those parts of yourself that you need, you're showing up for the other people as powerfully as you possibly can. So I think it's so important for people to remember that, yes, like the media is portraying like selflessness, it's the best, but like (laughs) you're going to be the best selfless mother when you actually are giving yourself those things that you need. And I'm not a mother, so people are probably like, well, you don't have kids. So I'm just speaking, because this actually actually carries over in a lot of areas of life. It doesn't really matter. If we're talking about children, I can talk about, uh, well, I don't have a husband or a boyfriend either. Um, well, I have had a boyfriend in my life, so I'll just say whatever, uh, that, or even parents, anyone, friends, anyone in your life, if you want to show up to those people that are important to you, then you have to have the same principle. The same principle applies in every single relationship, friendship, whatever it may be. You know, and the thing is, you know, I'm so glad you said that this applies beyond moms, because not only does it also apply to dads and um, to other caregivers, but it also just applies to anyone in the workforce, anyone in the world, right? I mean, I learned this idea of selflessness as a valued asset is um, a concept that I learned as a young attorney. It was like I was at I was at a firm and it was like, oh, I got more reward, more praise, more work, more respect um, when I was willing to burn the midnight fuel 
people and work all night and be the person who is first to respond to emails and be, you know, these concepts of selflessness are, are driven really, really deep into our culture. That's like what it means to be a team player. And they're also highly gendered. Like women tend to buy into these ideas of selflessness in the workforce and in other relationships in our lives well beyond mothering. So the conditioning starts and is, and is, a, it's a very dangerous story, whether you're a parent or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. And you, you said you were a criminal defense lawyer, right? Yeah. So I started doing white collar criminal defense. Then I prosecuted for um, about a year and a half. And then I went back to white collar criminal defense and um, litigation. So can you explain a little bit what that was like to be a criminal defense lawyer? So I actually did the type of work that I did was white collar crimes. So um, I worked primarily in the SEC and Department of Justice um, investigations into large corporations. And the thing that's really fascinating about that area of work and what I really enjoyed um, is that, you know, that there's a lot of gray area. And it really taught me in a very deep way that the world is not black and white. And I think that we know that and we all learn that in our own way. But um, the thing about white car criminal defense is that it's not like your person robbed a store and you're defending them to say they didn't rob the store. Generally speaking, most of my clients had done things that were within the literal definition of the law and people didn't like the definition of the law, right? Like, so it was really like, whether you liked it or not, whether you agreed with their behavior or not, the type of work that I did was mostly about statutory interpretation and whether or not the agency or, um, uh, or Congress had passed legislation or guidance that was clear enough to actually say that the, the corporations did the things that, that they said that they did and that that was against the line. Um, it was over the line. So it was actually a really fascinating, interesting um, practice that wasn't, it's not like TV at all. You know, it's not like saving, you saved the bad guy or you like those ethical dilemmas really didn't show up in my work because um, <laughs> the types of clients that we defended, like when you read the statutes, you're like, huh, I totally, I totally get why they thought that was okay. Um, and, and so it created a really interesting sort of intellectual playground um, to be able to say like, is this all right? And how can we argue that it is or isn't? So yeah, it was not law and order. Like, unfortunately it was, it was much more dry and academic than that, but, but it sounds uh, interesting. And like, I like the mm-hmm. points that you bring out about how it made you a better person and how it helped you to grow and learn in all these different ways. And I'm sure like intellectually it has to really stretch your brain to work these things out. It's something that I've always really admired lawyers because maybe it's not, I don't know, maybe because what I know is like law and order, law and order. Um, but it really seems like you have to be able to think on the spot as well. And it's like a puzzle, a really big puzzle. And that's not generally how my brain works. So that's why I'm, I really admire people who can figure those kind of things out. And I think even then you're doing such a great thing for other people. Um, so when you were in that phase where you were like, what do I want to do? I don't know if this is it. How did you expand your horizons and find that out? Yeah. So this is the ultimate question, right? I'm sure so many of your clients and followers are in that space and come to you for advice in this. It's like, I know this isn't it, but how do I find the it? And um, my advice is not always the most comforting because it's trial and error. You know, I think that for me, the turning point really was, uh, like I said, I had come from this um, 
tradition and, and, and value system in which success was singularly defined, right? There was one right thing and one wrong thing. And as I was practicing and I was growing, I was beginning to say, I don't know, like in the world that there's one right thing and one wrong thing, one best thing and one better thing. And, and maybe there are a lot of different options out there. And I, I came across this quote, which is now sort of deeply ingrained in my heart by, um, a theologian named GK Chesterton. And, and the quote is anything worth doing is worth doing badly. And when I read those words, it blew my mind because there was no room for that in my life, right? Like my life was all about, no, no, you like calculate what you can do the best and then you do that thing. Like you don't do things badly. Who would want to do something badly? And all of a sudden I started understanding like, oh, when you're willing to do something badly, you're actually tapping into your passion. You're actually tapping into this deeper sense of like, no, I want that thing, right? Like I was willing to other badly and figure it out. Like I was willing to start serving clients from the moment I got into my coaching practice and just dive into free coaching hours with people because I was willing to do it badly to get better. Mm -hmm. You know, like it really, when you start opening yourself up to that question, oh my gosh, what am I willing to do badly? I was willing to write badly to become a better writer. Like you, it really starts guiding you into this, into your hot streaks, into your passion points, like, and really starts uncovering some of those things that we've smothered our whole life because we're afraid that we might not do them perfectly. So that's, yeah. yeah I love that. Oh my gosh, that's like amazing. Because when I'm thinking about my life, I'm like, in every everything I do right now, that theme has played out. Like I, so I worked at like, um, my journey has been very, just one thing led to another, very organic. Like when I get into something, it kind of starts to become a career for me. Like I used to be, uh, it, in my very disordered days, I was a bodybuilder, like very unhealthy, not good, but I started to like coach people to do that. And th- even though that was not healthy, um, it, I was so passionate about it that I started to want, it came out in other ways. I didn't really even care like <laughs> what was going on with my body. I just wanted to talk about it and shout it from the rooftops. But then that eventually glided into body image coaching. And I just wanted to help people so badly with loving their bodies and getting through that bodybuilding phase and getting out of it and over with it that I didn't really even care if my writing wasn't that good. I would publish books about it, whatever. And then now I'm at the stage where I'm doing transformational life coaching and like I cannot stop my fingers from writing and I cannot stop showing up for podcast interviews and I cannot stop. And it like doesn't even, I don't even check Google analytics or my rankings or anything like that, because I'm doing this because I love creating this art and I love serving the people who need this art, big or small, like big groups or small groups, whatever. I'm loving it so much. I don't even, I probably should check those things, but I don't because I don't really care. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you need to, by the way. And I think that it's very common. So it's very common both when we're starting businesses or when we're trying something new to seek that external validation. You know, how many shares did this get? Is this resonant or not? And, and there is learning to be had in that, right? Sure. Like it's, it's helpful to understand. Oh, when I message something this way, it resonates. When I message something this way, it doesn't. But at the end of the day, when you get into that space that you're talking about where you're just like, it, 
I can't keep this inside me. Like, I'm just going to share this and it's going to go where it will. Like, that's when you know you're really in working within your passion and your gifting because you're not worried about the external validation. You're not looking for, um, for the world to tell you that what you're doing is worthy and of value. You know, it's a worthy and a value and you know that it's going to speak to whether it's 10 people or 10 million people exactly who it's meant to reach. And you're willing to put yourself out there in that way. And, and I think that's the way that you that you grow um, in impact, but also just on a personal level in your own growth to, to be able to swim in that sea and trust yourself that you're, that you're going to, um, that you're going to make it. Um, and it's also such an awesome way to live your life. <laughs> it's so mm-hmm. fun to live your life in that, in that place. So um, yeah, I totally agree. Would you say that it would be a good starting point for people to pick some sort of outlet because maybe this is just me and that's why I think that's a good recommendation so I'm interested to hear what you have to say but to me whenever people don't know what they want to do I say do you like to write okay then start a blog and just start writing down things because to me that was a huge part of my journey I started writing I didn't know really what I was passionate about and it turned into this career I have right here but also I'm like well maybe you don't like to write if you don't like to write start a podcast just start talking talking about random things like the random things podcast I don't I don't care but like do something to start speaking and sharing your message podcast a blog a, a YouTube channel those are all, and they can be private, they can be public. I'm not having any specifics. They can be just for you or they can be shared out with the world. But to me, those things, all three of those things have, I can't even express how much they have changed me. My YouTube channel has changed the way I speak loudly and proudly. My podcast has changed the way I resonate with people, relate to people, my question skills, my question abilities of asking the right questions. And my blog has helped me connecting with people, um, really tapping into what I feel needs to be expressed comes out with my writing, whatever needs to be expressed with that day. So those three things have really contributed to my life and have helped me figure out what I want to do. Um, would you say those are good starting points, picking some kind of outlet to do some kind of creative work or would you go uh, above and beyond to something else or, or what would you say? Yeah. So I am a huge fan of just picking, especially when you're at the beginning. So when you're starting, the world is so, everything feels so big and the fear feels so big and the overwhelm feels so big and you so desperately want to find that one thing. You know, you want to find that passion spot from the beginning. And so it builds up this fear of like, well, I'm going to pick nothing until I know it's the thing. And any entrepreneur I have ever talked to or any artist or anyone who creates from this heart space has always agreed with me that there is, there is no one thing. There's one thing for right now because we are constantly evolving. Our passions are evolving. Our skills are evolving, but you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. And so whether, like you said, it's picking something that is expressing your voice in the world, whether it's like you love to dance and you sign up for a dance class, like I don't care what it is, but pick something and commit to it for a minimum of 90 days. Just pick something that you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And it doesn't have to be every day, but like with a consistency and a rhythm that you've outlined and then chart yourself through that process and notice what's changed. Notice how you've grown and be willing to stick with it. Um, and, and this is so hard because it triggers for so many people. 
this idea of like, okay, I'm just going to muscle my way through it. I'm going to power my way through it. And so much in the coaching world is about, you know, following your intuition and following your joy and your yes. And so there's this tension, right, between just picking something and starting and following your joy. But the truth is, is that when you're first starting this journey, at least this is the way it was for me, you don't really know what joy feels like. You know, like if you're in that place of confusion and overwhelm, it's like, following your joy can be just so, I mean, it's it's almost like nonsense talk, right? When you're at that very vulnerable beginning point. So when you just pick something and you stick with it and you listen, you start listening to your body, you start watching the way you're thinking about that thing. You start thinking with awareness about, and, and really detached curiosity about what's going on, just creating, it's almost like a birth canal. You're creating this framework for you to intentionally move through and transition into a new and different version of yourself can be the most powerful thing you can do. And that starts by just starting somewhere with something. Totally. Yes. I love the 90 day advice as well. So once you have this thing and say, you're like, Oh, I'm on fire. This is amazing. I love it. How do you, uh, how do you have like the balance between that passionate work you're doing and your, the rest of your life? The other things. <laughs> it's like such a great question. So, I um I always use weight analogies because I've struggled with my quote unquote struggle with my weight. Now I just choose not to struggle with it, and it's perfectly fine. But mm-hmm. and so, but I've done a lot of like weight and health coaching, and and um one of the one of the things that I learned from a coaching Susan Hyatt is it's called eating between the twos. So they set up a scale of negative ten to positive ten, right? Um, negative ten being like you're starving to death, and positive ten being like you've eaten to the point of your that you're ill. And um, the way she teaches the framework is you really want to eat within the twos. So you never let yourself starve and you never eat so much that your stomach hurts, right? You find that place of moderation and balance. Now, first of all, when it comes to eating, it's easier said than done. And I'm terrible at eating between the twos, but I'm really good at working between the twos. So what this looks like for me in my life is like when I first um, started my business, it was like I was totally eating till I was sick, right? Like I was just like, like on the computer with the kids and they're like, mom, will you put us to bed? And I'm like, in a minute, you know, like there's like, no, Every, and that's okay, by the way. It's totally okay to be in that spot, especially at the beginning. But it's not sustainable, right? And it's certainly not healthy. And so so the, I love this metric of working between the twos because it allows you to say, really start tapping into your body and your own inner wisdom of like, when am I going too far? Like, when am I pushing myself either to, to, to seek those external validations or when am I really succumbing to those voices telling me what I have to do to be a successful entrepreneur or successful successful business owner and um, like, and really like how am I shutting down my own intuition? And so starting to come back to, and sometimes it means underworking and being like, Ooh, this doesn't feel good. Like this is stressful and overwhelming to be underworking. And so what does it mean to, to me to find that balance. And the hardest thing in that process is that my negative two to positive two is not yours or nor is it anyone else's who's listening that this isn't like an abstract scale that you could like, you know, um, take your pulse and like figure out where you are on the scale. It's like really that inner intuition of what does this look like for me? What does this moderation and balance look like for me for right now? Right. Knowing that all things have a season, especially the beginning and start of a business. Um, 
and really honoring, um, okay, like I'm overworking and that's an intentional choice that feels good to me for right now and being open to the fact that, you know, three months down the road, that's not going to feel so good and your body needs to be loved and cared for and respected and heard. And so, okay, let's move back to, to a more, a place that feels better for me and is right for me. Um, so that's the framework that I use sometimes more successfully than others. Yeah, that's great. And it really does change on a very normal basis for, for me particularly where it's like up and down and up and down. And some days I just do not feel inspired. And I, it, I, some, it's so hard for me to admit that to myself that I'll, I'll, I would rather sit in front of my computer and try to make inspiration, throw up all, all over the computer on a word document, then just accept it. And that's something that I've worked on for a while now for probably a few months since I've really noticed it. If there are days where I'm just not feeling inspired, I'm like, this is a gift. This is a gift to go catch up on the other things I want to do. Even if it's just watching Netflix all day, like give myself that gift because my body's telling me something because whatever I'm going to create, it's not going to be really authentically me. Okay. Like it's not going to be really from my heart. It's not going to be from inspiration. It's just going to be blah because I'm trying to force something out. Yeah. So, and also like I had this mastermind group I used to work with. We would do phone calls every like month, I would say about a year ago. And, uh, I I would always come to the sessions like, or the the calls just being like, I feel stuck. I feel stuck in my work and blah, blah, blah. And I remember this one girl that was in the call was like, Maddie, cause we all took turns, like basically coaching each other. And she was like, Maddie, I, man, just two years ago or a year ago, I was exactly where you were. I felt all this pressure to like get stuff done all the time, make something new, this and that worry, worry, worry. And I'll tell you, it's not forever. It will go away. You just give yourself some compassion and like, try to take it easy. Like, okay, you don't feel inspired right now. It's cool. Like let it go, go work on something else. Go, go do a yoga class, go relax, go have lunch with a friend. And maybe inspiration will come from that. Maybe not, but there's no pressure because when there's pressure, Mm -hmm. creativity will die. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And now (laughs) it's a year later and I'm like, I'm there. I'm where she, where she was telling me about, I'm finally Mm -hmm. at that point where Whenever I don't feel a lot of stuff coming up, I don't freak out. I don't panic. I don't search for answers on Google. I just say, okay, right now it's not the time I'm going to trust. Um, and I will say that does come with being more financially secure with my business. Um, Mm -hmm. it really wasn't just a mindset thing. I think I had to get through that point where I grew my business to a certain point where I didn't have to worry whenever the inspiration wasn't coming. Like right now I'm at a point where I don't need to worry or go find clients whenever I'm not feeling inspired, like, cause I'm good. I have a very steady business that I've built up here. So mm-hmm. that has come with that. I will say that, but I still could have done a little bit more trusting back then for sure. Well, and the trust is the key word, right? I mean, this is really, um, this deep question of like, who, who will I trust? What will I follow? Who will I serve? You know, these deep, deep questions when we're, especially if you're building a business of the heart or business of the soul, it's like really asking, where am I going to put my faith? Where am I going to put my trust? And, um, when we put our faith and trust in ourselves, we can make a lot of things happen. Absolutely. Like, especially if you're a creative, capable person, you can manifest things, um, through your hard work and blood, sweat and tears, but you're not going to create a sustainable life that you love that way. And, and I'm not saying all businesses have a season. Um, 
well, or all lives have a season where we, we, we need and, or, or choose to use that energy. But when we're talking about creating something that's sustainable and enjoyable and life giving to us and to others, it just can't come from that place of force. You know, it can't come from that place of worry, that place of lack, that place of fear. So, um, I totally resonate with that and, and completely agree that there has to be that sense of, of trust and faith, not only in our own abilities, but in, in the larger universe or world or divinity or however it is that you choose to look at it that um that things will unfold and that it's okay to breathe and pause and rest and like you said so eloquently earlier in our conversation refill your own tank so that you make sure you're showing up not only for your clients but for yourself in the way that you really want to be beautiful i love that before we head on over to the quick fire round, I have two last things. First, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would really like to share with the audience? You know, I'd really just like to reemphasize this willingness to do things badly. I think all too often it becomes very cliched, you know, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, and we sort of say, yeah, 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 that's for people who don't know how to do things perfectly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just really, if, if that resonates with you, open yourself up to asking yourself that question, both on a practical level, but also on a spiritual one. Like, what am I willing to do in my life badly, whether that's friendship or work or, you know, meeting someone new or dating online or like whatever the thing is, you know, um, where are you being called to expand yourself and your capacity by, by being willing to make mistakes? That's the only thing that I would want to reemphasize. Oh, that one's perfect. And it's, I find it funny that you said that because almost every time I'm on a podcast and people ask me, is there anything else you want to share? I always say like basically the exact same thing. I'm always like, I know I just threw a lot at you and there's a lot to like think about. Remember, this is a process. So don't get overwhelmed and let yourself just like do one thing at a time and take it slow and don't compare your journey to other people. Just like don't be afraid to make a big, beautiful mess out of all of this. So I think that's a really great place to end it just so people know like mistakes are part of the journey like failure is not is what failure is not what it's going to stop you it's what's going to take you there totally yeah, yeah. um so before we have the quick fire round where can people connect with you online yeah, so people can find me online at ckgreen.com. And um, if anyone's listening is interested, my two books, um, Matter and Next, are about how to find meaningful work that's right for you and your family and um, how to start a successful business that's right for you and your family. And they're geared primarily towards moms, um, but I think that, that it, they apply to, to people beyond that space as well. And if they just want to email me at ck at ckgreen.com um, and put the book, free book and tell me where you heard me, I'm happy to send um, the first 10 people, a paperback copy of whichever book resonates most with them. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm sure they'll really appreciate that. And I'll make sure I have all of the links to you on the show notes for this. This is episode 131. Um, awesome. So I will try to get through these quickly, but they are not the easiest quick fire round questions. Um, so take your time. Number one, what are three words to describe you? Brave, resilient, truthful. If you could live anywhere in the world besides where you currently live, where would it be? The Caribbean. Mm-hmm, yeah. What did you eat for breakfast? If you've eaten breakfast, I don't know what time it is there. I didn't eat breakfast. I had coffee. I wish I had breakfast. Well, what what's going to be your next meal? Um... Honestly, I had one of these terrible days where I set myself up like not to eat until three o'clock in the afternoon. So I'll probably go home and eat with my kids. <laughs> Something hopefully healthy. Meal planning's not my strength. 
Uh, yeah, I, I prefer to use my intuition. Think of it as like your intuition is your strength. There you go. Love exactly. it. Like you just know what you want to eat in that moment. So you don't need to plan yeah, it. Exactly. Um, okay. What's, uh, do you have any pets? I do. I am now down to one. I used to, I lost a lot of pets in the mm-hmm. past couple of years, but now I have one Norwich Terrier named Lucy. What's the most exciting thing happening in your life right now? You know, right now I'm doing really deep nature work um, with a new coach and mentor, which is something I've never done before. And I'm not a nature, I quote unquote, am not a nature person. Talk mm-hmm. about story. Um, and and she's really challenging me in, in ways to really connect with the world around me in, in new and different ways. And that has been so amazing. And it's really affecting the way that I'm interacting with, with clients um, and in my own work by um, getting this broader, deeper perspective um, by spending a lot of time in nature. So that is super exciting. Beautiful. Do you have a favorite nickname? No. Do you have any nicknames? Oh, actually, I do have one. And this is like really personal. My (laughs) my husband's (laughs) going to be like, you sold what story on? Um, But my husband calls me GH which stands for a groundhog because when we were first married, there was this Toyota commercial. They were actually prairie dogs, but where um, these, these really rapscallion like prairie dogs, they like, got together, surrounded this really fancy pickup truck, dug a hole in the ground. And then like the pickup truck fell through into their den and the prairie dogs like all looked at each other and like cackled. They were like so excited that they had worked together to like capture this pickup truck. And my husband looked at me and he was like, that's totally you. And from that, but he called them groundhogs incorrectly. Um, they were actually prairie dogs. And so, yeah, for the past 12 years, I've been, my nickname is GH. That is just, so just cute. So wait, was he the fancy prize truck? I don't know. That's an excellent question. I'm going to go back and ask him. I just laughed. I thought you know, the mischievousness of it all. That is but so I, cute. In my mind, he is totally. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that. that's what I thought of. That's really cute. Um, yeah. Okay. What is your biggest turn on in a partner? And it can be like a quality or something they have that you find very attractive. Sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. If you could invite three people to your perfect dinner party, who would they be? Mary Oliver, um, Elizabeth Warren right now, just because of everything that's going on. I would just like love to hear what she's got going on. And Brene Brown. Mm, good eclectic mix there. Um, if you joined the circus, what would your position be? Oh, that's totally easy. I'd be one of those people who um, like Cirque du Soleil, like wraps in the silks. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The aerial artist. The aerial art. Yes, the aerialist. You know, you can do that, right? Like, you could do that at a studio. I, you know, it's on my list. It's on my, like, inspiration uh, bucket list. It's super fun. I've done it before. It's challenging, though. Those ropes, like, when you get your leg in the right place, it's just like, ugh. <laughs> takes out of all blood circulation. <laughs> Everything clinches at once. It's pretty insane, (laughs) but it's fun. Um, Okay, last question. If you had a movie about your life, who would you cast to play you? Oh, that's such a good question. 
I think that like I think of myself as like Ellen Page, you know, of course she's so much younger than me, but still like that's like like that quirkiness and vitality, but you know who keeps coming to mind? It's like Mandy Moore. They would totally cast Mandy Moore. Mandy <laughs> Moore. That, oh gosh. I don't know what that means about me, but that's what's coming up. Those are good though. I mean <laughs> Mandy Moore's freaking awesome. Have you seen her new show, This Is Us? No, but I've heard it's so good. It made me like Mandy more. I used to not like her because I never liked – I know people are going to be so mad at me. I never liked the movie A Walk to Remember. Like I hated that movie. It and was pretty bad. It was pretty <laughs> it was sad. Just, everything about it annoyed yeah. me though. It wasn't even that I was sad. I was annoyed. <laughs> I don't know. It's terrible. But like I've been watching This Is Us and I freaking love her now. But I also love Ellen Page. She is very quirky yeah. and so weird. But that's what makes her so cute. I know, right? Maybe okay. it'll be an Ellen Page, Mandy Moore mix-up. That's what it'll be. That would be the most opposite but amazing mix-up, which would be you then. There we go. Totally. There we go. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I you're I love the way you speak. Your speech is awesome. You're so passionate. It like really comes out, and you're very um, determined to get this message out, and I can I can really appreciate that even from afar via Skype. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me and for all the work you do for so many. It's really, I really, it's great to be here. Thank you. Everyone, make sure you go on over to my website, maddiemoon.com, and go to the show notes for Caroline Green, episode 131, to check out her links. And while you're there, you can sign up for your free course, How to Powerfully Live Your One Life. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast every Wednesday or whatever day you choose. I look forward to hearing your insights on this episode, and I'll see you guys soon. 